So my name is Dr. Ryan Lee. I am a uh, psychotherapist. I specialize in working with former members of high control religions. I, I primarily I work with ex Jehovah's Witnesses. Witnesses. They are very big on separating you from the world in the most extreme sense. People are leaving high control religions in, in of all forms, and uh, I've seen more and more that people are really creating outlets like the show that you have um, as a way of connecting with other people. And yeah. I know that uh, there really aren't too many therapists that specialize in this area like I do. So, um, so um, when trauma is it really has a hold on you, whether consciously or unconsciously, it plays a role and, and shades every experience you have. Our ways of thinking and feeling are a result of deeply embedded pathways and it's hard to change those pathways because once a pathway is deep, it becomes easier to just go along the set path that you have carved out in one way or another. It's possible to have the feeling of anger, express it, and not get stuck in it. And not get stuck, and not get stuck in it. It's important, you know, we naturally avoid thinking about things that trouble us, but in avoiding those, we don't solve them, they just stay there, yeah. you know. So ayahuasca has this way for a lot of people, myself included, of like taking you by the hand and go, look at this. You need to look at this, you know. And that may be problems with your relationships or uh, traumas that you've been holding on to, pain of, of people, ways people have hurt you that you haven't been able to let go. And then through that process of connecting with it, um, generally speaking, when all goes well, it, it culminates in a, a purge. Purge. I don't say that with bitterness or maliciousness. I, I don't think they're bad people. Generally speaking, they mean well. They, they're well-intentioned, but they treat this life as if it is garbage world, mm -hmm. meaning everything that exists in this life is ruled by Satan and therefore is not something you want any part of and you defer any sort of pleasure or engagement with this life for the idea that this world will be destroyed at some point and then the, the good life will come. So no, I, I, I think even though it's well-intentioned, it's life-sucking. It teaches the one thing that we have, which is so precious, this moment right now. It takes that away, it takes from, that you. away from you. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 722 Religious Recovery with ex-Jehovah's Witness, Dr. Ryan Lee. Now, Dr. Lee is a psychotherapist who grew up in the U.S., but now lives in Peru, where he's been facilitating integration for ayahuasca ceremonies. So, we talked today about Mormons versus J-dubs, some of the common challenges for people coming out of high-control religious groups, what healing looks like, 
and the role that ayahuasca has played for Dr. Lee and for many of his clients. It's a good conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And it starts right now. All right, Ryan, thank you for coming on Infants on Thrones. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. We, we tried it a couple of weeks ago. The internet connection was bad. You're living down in Peru and uh, you just moved into a new place with better internet. So we're trying again. And would, why don't you introduce yourself to um, my audience? Just let them know who you are, what you do, and why it is that you think that I was interested in talking with you. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, I can answer the first part. I think you yeah. would be a better person to ask why you're I, interested. I would, but that's what makes it fun. I want to know what you think. Um, well, so my name is Dr. Ryan Lee. I am a uh, psychotherapist. I specialize in working with... Um, former members of high control religions. I, I primarily, I work with ex Jehovah's witnesses. Uh, I have also worked with, um, fundamentalist Baptist and some, um, different Christian movements or cults as you might call them. Um, mm. but primarily my, my, my specialization is, uh, in working with ex Jehovah's witnesses. And, uh, I think I'm pretty well suited for that for a number of reasons, but one is that I was raised as a Jehovah's witness myself, uh, till the age of 18. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy what I do. And now uh, what was the other question? Why, why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why do you think I reached out to you? Well, I guess my, my sense is that, um, there's a growing community of, of former Jehovah's witnesses. Um, and people, uh, people are leaving high control religions and of all forms. And, uh, I've seen more and more that people are really, creating outlets like the show that you have um, as a way of connecting with other people. And yeah. I know that uh, there really aren't too many therapists that specialize in this area like I do. So, um, yeah, so I'm guessing that's, that's why you're interested in talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this, this podcast is mainly for ex Mormons. Um, I've been doing this podcast since 2012, but within the last few years, especially I've really been interested in, Okay, now what? We've we've figured out that this high control religion. I like I like that term. That this high control religion isn't what it t presented itself to be. It's maybe having some negative impacts on my life. Um, I want to heal. I I, I want to be healthy. Uh, how do we do that? And I've mm. been really interested in that question. And and especially like what? How did this religion shape me? <laughs> what 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 are what are the the, the mental habits of focus and the, the cognitive distortions and these kinds of things that I'm carrying around that might've been formed by being a part of a high control. High, it, what, is that high control religion? High context? Yeah. Control? yeah. High control. High control religion. Yeah. So that's it. That's really it. And then um, a mutual acquaintance of ours uh, gave me your name because he knows that I'm in this uh, interested in this. And he said, Oh, you, you might be interested in, in reaching out and talking with, with Ryan. Hmm. Um, he, he's a shaman for uh, ayahuasca ceremonies, and right. that's that's something that I know you've you've done down in Peru working um, with those ayahuasca ceremonies. So I'm interested to hear your story. I'm interested to hear a little bit about what your experience was like growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, and we can kind of compare notes, maybe with the what yeah, because what you know, I was a Mormon missionary. Mm -hmm. I, I, I went to Japan, and we didn't really have many Jehovah's Witnesses. There were a couple of times we'd, we'd run into, uh, we'd call you guys J-dubs. 
Yeah. And, and it was always the, like the competition between the J dubs and the Mormons as to who was going <laughs> to get to the house first. Did you guys feel that too? Did you see Mormon missionaries as like your competitors? Uh, no, I mean, de we definitely joked around uh, the Mormons being kind of like a, a sister group. Oh, yeah. Sister yeah. Group, yeah. Well, it's funny <laughs> as a witness, I don't think we really um, compared ourselves or felt rivaled by anybody because Jehovah's Witnesses and maybe Mormons like this too. Uh, they're very single-minded in thinking that they are the only ones with the truth and every yeah. other religion falls in the category of wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like we have, they, they literally call themselves the truth. They refer to it as the truth. Yeah. And, um, and so whether it be Mormon or Muslim or Buddhist or whatever, it's all the same category to a Jehovah's yeah. Witness. Um, that said, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you are the other group uh, mormons are the other group no known for going door to door which is right. a unique quality yeah um and i find <laughs> I, i've had a few experiences with former mormons as friends and i get into more competition now over who had it worse <laughs> oh really <laughs> <laughs> like who, who, oh you have no idea what we had to go through all right well you, i i actually had a, a pretty nice experience as a mormon so i, I think i might give you that yours was worse right off the bat without even hearing it. But um, yeah, maybe we could play that game a little bit. What, what, what yeah. was it about your experience that was really bad? Um, I'm trying to, to parse out the general from the specific. Yeah. Um, there were specific challenges related to my family and, and mental health mm. issues in my family and, and some dysfunction there. Um, but well, generally speaking, I think the things that are common to all, all Jehovah's Witnesses that they struggle with is, is that they are very big on separating you from the world in the most extreme sense. Yeah. Um, so not only are you not supposed to celebrate any holidays, you are strongly discouraged um, openly from pursuing any higher education than high school, mm. um, from pursuing any type of career that for the purpose of, you know, the sake of a career or um, or, or pursuing wealth. Um, you are not allowed to uh, spend any time outside of school or work with people who are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they teach you very explicitly that anybody who's not a Jehovah's Witness is in one way or another, um, the devil is controlling them. Satan is mm -hmm. controlling them. Yeah. And they are a tool for Satan to try to lure you away from Jehovah's Witnesses. So they repeatedly will say things like, oh, these people will seem so nice and they'll treat you very nice, you know, but deep down what's going on there is they're trying to lure you away. Hmm. So, you know, every, they do everything they can. And then on top of that, they limit what type of entertainment you can consume, what type of things you can read. You can't even go into another church. You can't read other books on other religions. They put out Jehovah's Witnesses, make their own books and they tell you yeah. about other religions and then they yeah. tell you why they're wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, I think there's degrees, very isolating. I think there's degrees of that within Mormonism, but I don't think that it's quite as extreme as 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 what you're describing there. Um, yeah, but it's 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 close. But I'll give I'll give you the the victory and the who's was worse. <laughs> you could see the win for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have it there. So what what was it um, that shook you out of that, that, that said, okay, I'm going to defy. Well, actually, before I ask that question, I want to know, was there any redeeming part of being a Jehovah's witness for you? Um, 
were there, were there things that you learned or experiences that you had that you still look at as being really valuable that you're grateful for? Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> In short, um, I mean, I, I'm going to be careful. I say that because I don't want to give the impression that I'm bitter. I'm not. Mm. Um, here's the thing I could tell you, uh, because I was Jehovah's Witness, I was going out in service, which means going door to door. Yeah. Um, and I was going on stage at the Kingdom Hall, which is another word of church. Yeah. Um, so I developed good public speaking skills. Yeah. So yes, I can give them that, but also I could have easily developed good public speaking skills without dedicating 18 years of my life and missing out on every social event and, yeah. you know, every milestone that a normal kid should go through. So if you're, um, if you're balancing the, the positive things that came out with the negative environment that you were in, it's a net negative experience. It wouldn't. Yeah. And again, it's not, I don't say that with bitterness or, yeah. or, or maliciousness. I, I don't think they're bad people. Uh, they, they generally speaking, they, they mean well, Yeah, they, they're well-intentioned, but they, right. they treat this life as if it is, um, I paraphrase it by they treat it like garbage world, mm. meaning everything that exists in this life is ruled by Satan and therefore is not something you want any part of. And you defer any sort of pleasure or engagement with this life for the idea that the this world will be destroyed at some point and then the, the good life will come. Yeah. Then you'll get the paradise. So, so no, I, I, I think even though it's well-intentioned, it, it's, it's life life sucking yeah. you know it's it, it teaches the one thing that we have which is so precious this moment right now yeah um it takes that away from you and and so it distorts I don't, it. yeah and, and yeah. That, that's what mormonism did um for me as well of what, what i heard you say was vilifying the world mm -hmm. you're really demonizing anybody who isn't part of your in-group Right. And it, you, you just don't develop any tools for really accepting people as they are, because you've already made these assumptions about them being bad or evil or dangerous and right. garbage world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I experienced that as well. So, so was that, was that when you became 18 and you decided I'm, I'm done with this? It was like a, a conscious awareness that you were walking away from that. Yeah. Um, I think it was, there was a couple of things that put, what do you call it, chinks in the armor? Yeah. Um, that caused me to question. Um, mm -hmm. One was uh, my stepfather at the time was physically abusive um, mm -hmm. to my mother. And Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in divorce uh, pretty much under any circumstances or very, very selective circumstances. And um, repeatedly, my, my, my mom and my stepfather would get in these disagreements that would end in these physical altercations. Um, some of them were pretty significant that she had to take a hospital visit to. Um, and we'd go through multiple cycles where we'd leave the house for a little while to just to, for to safety. Um, but then we'd have these meetings with the elders of the congregation. And my mom would say, you know, it was basically going there to try to get some kind of approved separation. And, and every single time they'd say, no, mm. they'd say, no, you, you sh your life isn't in danger. Uh, so you need to go back. And 
that would that to me was one of the biggest things that started making me question it because yeah. I was living this life and I I always thought that they were these elders there to protect us and look out for us and yeah. they kept sending us back into this thing. Um, but so th so that was part of it. Um, it was really th there was a lot to it. Um, but the other the other major piece was I. Um, I never really had friends in school. I, you know, I was kind of made fun of for being a Jehovah's Witness and um, something changed in high school. I had always wanted to be part of theater, but we're not allowed to do after school activities. Mm. And um, there was a loophole because there was a, a class offered during school hours that you could take and it was a theater class. So that was technically okay because it was an academic class. Um, in reality, the class was like an hour and a half of high schoolers just goofing off, Sure, <laughs> you know, but it was during that time I made friends, um, and I met really, really great people that accepted me for who I was. And, um, and, and there was, there was a lot of theater too, which I was, I was really a big fan of doing that. And I was just, I was accepted for the first time in my life and realized these people, these people are not ruled by the devil. They're, they're good people. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, um, there's, there's a lot more to it, but I, I think that there was, there was a couple of things that happened. First of all, I remember the prom was coming up and I really wanted to go to the prom, but we're not, Jehovah's Witnesses weren't allowed to go to the prom. And, I, and again, I went to one of the elders and I said, look, um, I know we don't typically go to proms, but um, I met some really good people that I'm never going to see again. This is going to be the last time I'm ever going to see them. I can't spend time with them outside of school and I really want to go. Um, this is really important to me just to be able to say goodbye and I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do anything I'm not supposed to do. Um, and they said, no, they said, they, they said they basically, I would be in a lot of trouble if I did. And, and so I said, screw it, I'm going. And, um, these are some, these seem kind of like superficial reasons, but they were really important at the time. And then alongside that, I was kind of waking up at a rapid pace at that mm. time too. I was starting asking questions and I was going, is this really the right religion? you know, and kind of had that realization of, um, you know, this kind of like, oh, you're telling me there are thousands of religions in the world and they all believe that they're the only right one and I'm in one of them. Yeah. And this particular one is keeping me from doing all of these things that I want to do with my life. You know, it kind of very quickly, it all fell apart. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so you mentioned the elders several times and it, it made me wonder about the the hierarchy within jehovah's witness so let, let me tell you a little bit about the way that the mormon church was and you might already know this but so so uh, 1820s 1830s this guy joseph smith claims he was visited by god and jesus christ and they said all the other churches are bad you're going to start the the good one you're going to restore the ancient church that's been lost to apostasy and it's all going to be revealed through you and we're going to give you priesthood and we're going to lead and guide you the entire way. And so mm -hmm. ever since that time, there's been a prophet slash president of the church who the members all believe is having regular communication with Jesus, AKA mm -hmm. Jehovah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, still to this day, believing Mormons really believe that the church, it, even little decisions like, we're not going to call ourselves Mormons anymore. We're going to make sure to call ourselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that that's coming directly from Jesus through the prophet. And then there's this priesthood, 
patriarchal authority structure that there are local leaders that, you know, if, if they tell you to do something, it's just like the prophet or just like Jesus is telling you to do it. D does, does Jehovah's Witness have a similar structure, like where, where you went to these elders and really believe that, that they are essentially God interceding to God for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know how literally you meant in terms of talking directly to Jesus. Pretty, um, pretty literally for as, as far as like the prophet of the church, they, they believe that, you know, yeah, like he'll appear to them and talk to them and maybe even sit in, in their meetings when they have their weekly meetings. It just depends. Yeah. Um, but, but that beliefs pretty widely accepted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th that's not quite so literal in Job's Witnesses, but there, there is a hierarchy. So at the top is the governing body is a group of 12 uh, men, mm -hmm. um, mostly old white men um, yep, same. who, yeah, <laughs> who are at the top and are the mouthpiece of God. Now they don't, I, they don't claim, I, I don't think for the most part to literally speak or have conversations with Jesus, but they believe that they are divinely inspired that God leads his flock right th through this governing body and then there are multiple levels there's the circuit overseer which is like a regional overseer and then the providing overseer which is like the congregational yeah. head elder and then there's multiple elders yeah beneath them and then beneath them is ministerial servants that right. are sort of like in between and you know and so on and so forth yeah we have that too general authorities and regional authorities and stake presidents and bishops and yeah you know, all, all kinds of things like that um there's a there's a big part of it i mean that's a big part i don't know how, how it is with mormons but for Jehovah's witnesses that i think is is a big part of what keeps people in mm -hmm. there's there's all this sort of striving like oh you yes. became a ministerial servant oh you became an elder yeah you know and and that that means something. Right. Um, and so people strive and there's so much um, esteem given to these roles in a lot of cases, which they, they don't actually mean so much, but, but to have that title within that group, you know, means something and people, people gain a lot of their own sense of self-confidence and esteem through those For sure. roles. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's very similar to, to Mormonism, especially in Utah where a lot of the general authorities live and there's there's quite a culture of hero worship around mm. them like if you spot one of them at the local mcdonald's you know it, it, mm -hmm. it's <laughs> it's like seeing a rock star or a movie star or something <laughs> like that like, wow yeah. you go you tell your friends i saw elder ballard or something yeah. like that yeah so so w with that hierarchy what what's the personal personal relationship with god like did, did you believe that you were able to through prayer get inspiration and have some kind of personal or direct relationship or was it always mediated through these these authority figures um yeah i guess there's two answers to that question so they, they do encourage you to pray directly to jehovah and develop a personal relationship um, and, and as far as that goes, I'll, I'll say, I can't speak for everybody, but at least the people I work with and, and, and that leave the organization, I very commonly hear them report. And I had this experience myself that they, they feel like they're just talking to thin air, you yeah. know, that you're encouraged to have this relationship, but, it, but, but to your, but I think what, to your point, there's this sense that it's really the organization, the, the governing body 
yeah. that you're having the relationship with. And, and when it comes down to making decisions about your life, literally about everything, there is always something to defer to from the right. governing body or the watchtower and track society, which they produce all the literature, no matter what, you know, right down to what type of music you listen to, how you raise your kids, that kind of thing. Um, they, they sometimes, if, if it's not, if, if they can't find something that is, is directly backed up by the Bible, they'll often do this thing where they'll state what you should do, but then say, they'll say, well, it's a conscience matter, but would a good Christian, for example, I remember when I was a little kid, I liked rap. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was just, it was kind of, I, I was growing up in the 80s and in the early 90s, and it was just kind of becoming popular. And I was listening to very clean rap. I was listening to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the cleanest, like, <laughs> rap you can find out there, you know? Uh -huh. And but I loved it, though. It, it, but it, the it, parents it, just don't understand, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a rebellious, <laughs> right. rebellious attitude right there. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, so the article came out and said, um, now is all rap bad? No, not all rap bad. Not, not all rap is bad, but a lot of it's bad. And would a good Christian really want to be seen or observed listening to this type of music, which so often is filled with misogyny and this yeah. and this and that, you know, so they, they wouldn't say no, but they'd say it in such a way that it became yeah. a rule anyways. And so yeah. all of a sudden we can't listen to rap, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. One of the reasons that I asked that question about authority is uh, th this is one of those common themes that I see when when um, ex Mormons are, you know, or when Mormons are leaving the church is okay. Now what? I used to know where to go to get answers to my questions, and now I don't know. Like, who's yeah. going to tell me? And I, 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 I experienced this too, where I hadn't really developed that trust in myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though it's funny, because when I look back on it, I was always doing whatever the hell I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but, I, but I expected that if I did X, Y, or Z, then I would get these things that were promised from it. And, and when I rejected that and walked away from it, then it's like, okay, well, well, now what? I don't have my entire life spelled out in front of me. Um, is, that, is that something common among the patients that you treat? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah um... What you're describing, I mean, I could list off five or six common things, but that's that's got to be top three. Yeah. Um, which is everything in my life has been according to this external source of approval. Yeah. Um, and just like you said, it's if you do this, you get that X, Y, and Z, and yeah. that's how it is. And then you, they leave. And, and the reality of the world is it's not black and white. It's gray. And, you know, there isn't a... I don't, I don't want to, I'm, I'm being, I don't want to be sensitive to people who still have strong belief in the Bible, but past that, there's really no manual for life. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's, that many, many listeners of this podcast are going to get upset if you throw okay. the Bible under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me personally, I see the Bible as very much written by man and, and yeah. it's, and it's, a, it's a document that records man's attempt to try to create meaning, to find meaning, to have direction, have find, to you know consolidate wisdom, to um, justify wiping out other people in the region and take their land. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, um, but yeah, that you, you, well, you, to get back to your point, it's that's that's the biggest task when you leave is now you got to think for yourself. Well, what's yeah. right? What's wrong? 
What's okay? What's an okay way to act or talk? Is there an okay way to talk? You know, if is swearing okay? You know, that whatever. I I jokingly say that when I left, I went down the list of commandments Mm -hmm. and and tried most of them out. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, for a period of time, I would, um, uh, I I would steal. I was a shoplifter Mm. for a while. I would just lie blatantly just to get out of stuff, just to try it on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and in those two examples, I ended up feeling like, you know what? That doesn't feel good. I don't really like that. That's so not you who I wanted to figured it out be. on your own instead of just leaning on what, what you were told. I, exactly. Whereas other ones like, I don't know, fornication or whatever, yeah. you know, there was other ones. I was like, no, I'm okay with that. <laughs> sex, before, <laughs> sex before marriage is, I'm, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but 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 that's the task I think for most people whether whether they do it that way or another way it's they need to try out just doing things and seeing how it feels and then rebuilding their own value system. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you mentioned that you could list maybe five or six of the common things that that people uh, experience as they're leaving, and that one of them is this this okay. What do I do now? How mm-hmm. how do you? How do you counsel them? What, what is it that, that you're trying to do when you're working with somebody who comes to you with that kind of a problem? Is, is it this approach to say, try things out and pay attention to how it makes you feel? That's definitely a part of it. Um, but let's see how I can, I can split up. I mean, there's, there's definitely a part of that to try things out. And, and within the context of therapy, like people are worried that they'll try things out and then they'll spiral out of control. And that's, yeah. that's part of this is, is recognizing you can make mistakes and, 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 and it is, um, how do I put it? Sometimes people will come to me and, 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 and they start making me the, 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 authority. the authority. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. I can and totally as soon as that. I pick that up, it's important for me to like stop that from happening and, and help yeah. them recognize I'm not the authority either. Yeah. Um, but I use that position to help encourage people and, and feel better about making their own choices. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, the, the way I work with people, there's multiple layers. So <laughs> there's, there, there's definitely a layer where this is actually straight up therapy. I've, I rarely encounter somebody who comes and just has issues only related to the religion. Yeah, it's right. almost always dysfunctional family or some kind of trauma. There's always other stuff. Yeah. So I'll put that in its own category of there's a lot of stuff we work on. That's just like typical therapy, working on anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. But with indoctrination, the idea is starting out usually by kind of taking inventory of what, what, how, how they've been affected personally. Um, And it's important because everyone takes away their own few things. So for example, some people get, um, hangups about sex and, and they feel really guilty of anything having to do with sex. Other people have no problem with that. Um, other people have um, Armageddon fears. You know, they, they reject the religion, but there's still every time there's an earthquake or a, pan, a global pandemic or, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, or they're, a they're raid thinking, on the U.S. Capitol. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's just they see it. Maybe this is a sign of a times. What if yeah. I was wrong? Yeah. Um, Existential anxiety, that's another big one that, that comes up. Um, and understand, trying to figure out who is God? What is God? Do I even believe in God? Is there a right religion? What, what's my purpose in life? If I'm not here to save other people, then what am I here for? What do I do with myself? Um, social issues are a big one. 
authenticity, feeling authentic, being able to just connect and, and, and feel like they're acting in a way that is true to themselves. Cause a lot of times they, they don't know what their themselves is. They feel like so much of who they are has just been built on this organization and the needs of the organization. So discovering who they are underneath all that. Um, so, so generally speaking, we, we, we take inventory, identify the areas, the sticking points. And then we, the next step is to work on those sticking points before we try to change them. We try to really understand them. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the end point for a lot of these things. Um, like say, for example, one common thing is some people ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they, they have a hard time doing things that are only for themselves to make themselves feel good because there's yeah. so much pressure and, and value put on being overly humble, putting your own needs aside, putting everybody else first, you know, that kind of thing. And it feels wrong for them yeah. to do something that's purely for themselves. So the end result there is probably going to be, we're going to help you take the steps to, to work against that feeling. <laughs> You know, do, do you see but, do, do you see any difference in gender? Like, do, do, do women feel that more strongly than men um, or, or do, do both feel it equally? Because I because I definitely recognize that as, as something that stems from Mormonism as well. But I think at least from the women that I've talked to, they feel it very, very strongly that, that their role is to sacrifice themselves and just support all of the men around them. And the men kind of feel like, yeah, they, they have to defer to whoever their leaders are above them, but they're kind of the ones that are in charge and doing things for themselves might not be as difficult as it would be for women. Hmm. I know what you're saying. And for some reason, from what I know of Mormonism, that, that observation seems to make sense. I think, yeah, there's a strong patriarchy in Mormonism. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's that in, in Jehovah's Witnesses too. But what I think about the Jehovah's Witnesses I've worked with or ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, I don't feel like there's a distinct difference. I feel like mm. it's, there's a universal f- feeling there. Okay. Um, well, then I'm going yeah, to so, claim a victory for the, for the ex-Mormon women <laughs> on this one. Vicariously. Point to Mormons. Yeah. Point to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think, you, I think you're right there. Um, but yeah, just to finish the, the thought, the um, generally where we end up with somebody is is recognizing that I feel a certain way, or I feel inhibited in a certain area, or I feel guilty about doing something myself because I was taught to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But before we can just we can get to the part where we start taking choices that work against that feeling, we need to understand that that feeling was put there on purpose that they were taught to feel that way on purpose, that it serves the organization, that this is not something that's a reflection of who they are naturally, but how they were taught to, to feel. Um, and then the end point is always, okay, now that we know this, now that we've done this, this, this research and we've kind of gone through your history and understand why you've been taught to feel this way, the final step is we're going to um, find ways where you're going to treat yourself to this thing, even though you feel guilty and you are going to, we're going to do it as almost as an experiment, you know, little by little, we're going to find little things where you can do to go against that feeling and, and then have the experience that nothing happens, that you're not struck by lightning, yeah. that, you know, it's okay for you to do something that's just for you, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been reading a book 
recently that's really, uh, I mean, my podcast listeners might be sick of hearing me talk about this, but it's called inner size. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's, it, it's about the brain. It's, it's, it's how to do exercises, but for your mind to increase your awareness and focus and creativity and all these different things that we do in our mind. And it, it talked about how really everything whether it's a thought or a movement, everything that we do and experience is a neural pathway. It's, it's these neuron synapses communicating uh, with each other in our brains. And so when, mm -hmm. when I hear you talking about you were meant to feel this feeling, you know, the, 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 the church wanted you to feel this way. What I hear that is they were encouraging you very strongly <laughs> to create these neural pathways in your mind. And let's mm -hmm. first recognize you have this architecture of mind that you're that that is the reason why you're feeling the way that you're feeling so let's change that do you think of it from that that perspective that you're like changing the architecture of the brain with these neural pathways at all or or that that your patients know that they have some control over what they're doing and in, in making these changes with this malleable mind yeah absolutely i mean it's it's interesting because what, what you said is exactly right although i don't I'm not a, I'm not a neuropsychologist. So, right. you know, it's not, I don't necessarily think in brain in, in, in um, anatomical terms, you know, biological terms, but, right. um, but you're absolutely right. 100%. That's exactly how it works. And that's exactly in line with my, with my approach to these things is that our ways of thinking and feeling are a result of deeply embedded pathways. And it's, hard to change those pathways because once a pathway is deep, it becomes easier to just go along the set path that you yeah. have carved out in one way or another. And, so, and most of them are in the subconscious part of our, we're not even aware that we have yes. these, these deep programs that are running the show. Yes. And so I would imagine a lot of what you're doing is helping them become more aware of some of these programs that are deep within their subconscious to put it in that Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's a big part of what we're doing is becoming aware of how they were put there, how they affect us, how they play out, observe, you know, taking an, an observer stance on what is the consequences? What, do, how does this feel when I make this choice over and over again? Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and that's important because the change is difficult. It's not, I don't, it's not torturous. It, right. it, it can be smooth, but it's challenging and it requires, you need to have a good foundation of knowledge and understanding of why you're doing this before you can have a good chance at being able to do it successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and it does I, involve being discomfort, uncomfortable. And, and, and I like something that you said earlier. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but letting them know that it's okay to try things and make mistakes. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that if, if you do have this deeply ingrained habit, it's not, easy to just like flip a switch and go, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, there's going to yeah. be times where it just, that's what is natural to us, the way that we respond and to be like self compassionate and forgiving and, and allow ourselves to make that mistakes. So I, I would imagine that that's a big part of the healing process as well, as well. Absolutely. And, and that's, um, that's one of those that I think is pretty backed by the Bible and <laughs> teachings oh, of yeah. Jesus, right? You know that, that God is forgiving and uh, and um, you know it makes me think of I, I don't know if, if Mormons have a version of this, but when Jehovah's Witnesses leave or when they're pointing to someone who's leaving, 
they have this way of minimizing and reducing <laughs> their reasons for doing so. Yes, they, 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 they'll put it as like, oh, they are being sucked away by sin. They're leaving yeah. because of the sins of the flesh, the desire to have sex or exactly. to have drugs or whatever. It's, it's all these petty reasons. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, don't, I can't think of anybody I've encountered where that's been the sto actual story. Yeah. The, the actual story for almost every single person is this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Something about this doesn't feel right. And the more they open, the more they pursue that train of thought, the more they see all the things that are problematic. And um, anyways, it, it, just to kind of link with this idea for forgiveness and allowing yourself to make mistakes, yeah. I always encourage people, you know, speak to God, connect to God. And, and, and whatever God that is for you, I don't have to tell you, you know, my own perspective, but whatever God you think may be out there to talk to him or her or it. Yeah. And, and, and if he or she or it <laughs> created yeah. you, then they know what's in your heart. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and everything in the Bible says that, you know, if your heart is pure and open, that, that God will, will guide you accordingly. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want to add to that because I, I, I know that there's a large portion of my audience who are atheist and, like anytime they hear the word God, they're just like, don't yeah. trigger me. I, I, I've, I've been abused by these symbols of God too many times in the past. So, yeah. So if, if you can't do that with God, what Ryan's saying, how about with your own subconscious? Because yeah. what you just said, you know, it knows more than, you know, <laughs> it knows yeah. more about you. Like what more than your own subconscious mind that is a part of your biology, a part of your nervous system that's been recording every single experience that you've had throughout your life it's in there a, a, address if, if you're going to pray to anything and you can't pray to god think about your own subconscious and talk to that yeah yeah absolutely no that that's the same thing um and and i i only frame it the way i do because i'm more used to working with people who are kind of trying to let go of the, sure. the, the attachments and so that's that's sort of a way of thinking about it that helps them bridge that gap between worlds yeah. uh, people that are already in the atheist camp they've they're already there <laughs> yeah and and um, i've been there and then kind of gravitated back into the oh, okay i'm more comfortable talking about god now but there was a time where i just didn't want to hear that word at all i didn't want to yeah. consider it um but i'm much more interested in it now um when it it makes sense like i mean i i used to um I remember for a long period of time, like somebody mentioned the word Jesus and I'm like, oh, I literally, my stomach turned, yeah. you know, because it was just used in so many different ways that were unpleasant and, and mildly traumatizing. And, um, and I felt that way for a long time until I started doing some of my own research. I read, I don't know if you've heard of the lost gospels. Um, not that I'm a huge Jesus friend, but to me, the, 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 the history that I've, I read about him, I actually had a lot of respect for him as a historical figure. Mm. It, it seems like he probably did exist at, at some time. My take on it is that he was probably a, a, a person with an elevated consciousness, somebody that was a little bit of a forward thinker. Yeah. I don't think he was the son of God. I right. don't think he performed actual miracles. I think yeah. that stuff all got added later. Anyways, my, yeah, my as, point as, is that as a way yeah. of legitimizing Con Constantine's power. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's hard to be religious when you've done that kind of research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or spiritual. <laughs> if, yeah. if you make a distinction between the two things. Um, but 
but again, you know, I, like, I feel like I, I did go into that camp of rejecting those things. And then I've, I've slowly over the years come back to where I consider myself now to be a spiritual person that is just really in awe of the mysteries of nature mm-hmm. and just the, the things that I want to understand, but know that I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like that's, that's really, really interesting to me. Um, yeah. And, and then recognizing that, that everything that we say to each other, communicate to each other, it's all symbols. Yeah. We're, we're all, you know, like the words that we use, the stories that we tell these images, it's, it's just symbols. And, um, I don't ever want to get attached to those symbols again, like I did in the past and thinking that these symbols are real things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the key is I, I don't think that the, 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 the thing is to throw out all the symbols. It's right. just to loosen your grip on yeah. like, trying to hold so tightly and, 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 and make them so black and white, yeah. um, definitive, you know, they should yeah. be growing and loose and, and flexible according to your needs. And, yeah. um, and, and then what, what that's freed me up to do is to, to become, uh, genuinely curious and interested in other people's symbols without mm-hmm. feeling like it's a threat, you know? So I, I could look at somebody's, uh, view of their personal relationship with Jesus, the same way that I would look at, some work of art in Tibet mm-hmm. or something like that, like a, sure. like a, a really beautiful painting or a, a beautiful piece of music or, you know, something like that. Like I, I want to know what, how people express themselves through these symbols. Cause they're projecting who they are, what they think. Mm-hmm. And it's coming out in this form of symbol. So I can, I can understand them better if I, if, if I'm more open to, um, accepting their symbols for what they're telling me it is without being like having that clinging attachment to this is a real thing that's going to threaten me somehow or you know whatever that is yeah well and i don't know if you've had this experience but like when you start becoming interested in other people's symbols understanding their language in my experience I, i found more and more that you find that underneath the basic mechanisms are the same. Uh-huh. Their, their desire for love, desire for connection, desire to be seen, understood, cared for, yeah. um, to be part of a group, to be accepted in a community, to, you know, they're, they're similar ideas that are just expressed in different colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, okay. So this has been a fascinating conversation so far, Ryan. I, I want to talk about ayahuasca now. Sure maybe talk a little bit about what the work that you've done down in Peru and how you came into working with ayahuasca um, and, and what, it, what it has meant for you and, and how you've seen it uh, impact other people's lives. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you a little bit about how I came about work with it. I, I had some psychedelic experiences in my early twenties, um, which were, both amazing and terrifying. Um, you know, there, it was kind of a mixed bag. It really connected me with something greater and, and, and I could I kind of peeled back the, the veil of illusion, you know, and, and really saw through some things and, and changed the way I saw things, but also, um, it, how do I put it? It can be scary. Uh, scary. There's, yeah. there's some, some ideas that, you know, when you have that ego loss, mm-hmm. um, and so anyways, I, when I was, when I was younger, I really didn't treat it with the respect that it needed to be treated with, you know? And so I would do it at parties or concerts and have very mixed results. And, yeah. 
and then had enough bad experiences that I said, I can't do that anymore. But I'd always wanted to return to that world and really had wished that there was some kind of setting that you could partake in that kind of experience, but in a respectful, um, reverent type of atmosphere where, you know, people are taking care of you and, you know, um, so anyways, cut to maybe 15 years later, um, I heard about this thing called ayahuasca from a friend of mine. And he said it was exactly like what I had kind of always wished for, which is mm. it's done in a ceremony and there's somebody who's leading over the ceremony and there's people that are assisting to make sure everyone, you know, stays safe and, and, and it facilitates and assists people as they need it. Um, and just gives you an opportunity to really go deep within yourself. And, um, I went down to Peru with, with a friend of mine and, had a life-changing experience. Um, at the time, I was still carrying a lot of depression with uh, with me. Um, I don't know if I would say I was suicidal, but I was at the point where I mm. really very often wished to not be alive, um, which is there's a slight distinction there. Were, were, um, were, you, were you a psychotherapist at this point? Yeah, I had gotten my doctorate, but I was working in corporate. Uh, so I was managing a group of therapists basically. Um, and, um, there was a lot of things I got from the experience, but I I would say I walked away with a realization that the reason I was so unhappy is that I was spending so much of my life and I was working 50, 60 hours a week. And I I was, I was spending so much of my time and my life on things that really didn't matter. Mm. And, not spending hardly any time on the things that did matter, meaning my this family. Was one my of your, this was one of your insights during that first ayahuasca experiment experience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it really changed everything. And I, I came down again about five or six months later and on that second trip decided I, I, I'm, I'm moving down here. And I, I went back to my job and I said, um, I was ready to quit it. But I said, mm-hmm. well, instead of quitting, why don't I just do this? I, I said, I'm, I want to work half as much as I've been working. And I only want to do the parts of the job that I like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna, and, I, and I was just expecting them to say no. I was ready to uh, go anyways. But, and yeah. they said, okay. And they gave <laughs> me that opportunity and it worked out. And so um, I came down to Peru and started um, doing uh, ayahuasca integration therapy. So I'd work with people on retreats and I'd work with them outside of the ceremonies before and after helping them integrate. And, um, I gotta say it's, it's, it's amazing how it works with people. Um, it's, I, I did probably like nine different retreats over about a year and a half. So each one has maybe 12 to 15 people. So easily over a hundred people that I've, I've worked with. Um, and everybody, I want to be careful how I say it. It's, it's not a cure-all. It's a, it doesn't f- like quote unquote fix everything, but everybody had this experience that was unique to them that gave them exactly what they needed. Mm. I say how people came down with trauma, with depression, with anxiety, so many different things that they've struggled with for years that have been resistant to traditional therapy or traditional medication and have this kind of life-changing experience where um, where they walked away 
a changed person. Now they still had work to do. They still in these lights, not like life goes perfectly after that, but all of a sudden right. they connected to what they needed to do, you know, to, with their own work. Um, so they found that inner authority figure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually a great, it's a great connection. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's what I, if I could just say one more thing, I just, that would be the pattern I noticed with people is every time they come down for a retreat, there'd be a 10 day retreat. For the first half of the week, I was kind of hand-holding them a little bit, you mm. know, sitting them, reassuring them, everything's going to be okay, telling them how to handle things if things go a certain way, um, helping them try to make sense of the things they're experiencing. And almost every single time by the end of that week, they really didn't need me mm. because they had connected with what they needed to do. And then I was just there to kind of cheerlead them on. Yeah, cool. I, I'd like to hear... Um... A, a bit of description about what your experience was like. Cause I know that everybody has different experiences with ayahuasca. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, they kind of psychedelics anyway, but it, so, some people see visions, some people hear things, some people like experience different times of their life as if they're there. I, I mm -hmm. know people who've like experienced being born <laughs> or, or dying, yeah. you know, things like that. What, what were your experiences like? Um, I don't mind answering the question, but I'll just let you know, I, I'm going to be a little guarded about their, their personal. And I don't mind you asking the question. Okay. It's just, yeah. Sometimes there's certain things that the attempt to put them into words minimizes the experience. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm very careful about, about that. Um, that said, I, I can say that generally speaking, I'm not a visual person. There are people I know who are visual. I have a friend who would, completely visit a different world. I know I have multiple friends who are like this. I've never been like this. I'm a feeler. Mm -hmm. um, so my experiences were, most of them have been challenging. Uh, for anybody who hasn't tried this and might be interested, it's worth doing your research because it's not a party. Um, <laughs> it's, it is different for each person, but for some people, and I'm one of them, they can be really hard. Um, there's a lot of physical nausea, you know, vomiting, um, it puts you in kind of a, a state that's really intense and, and can be challenging. That's how mine, most of mine go. But the product of those is that usually um, in being able to sit with it, stay present, not run away from it, surrender yeah. to it, the experience, um, it takes me, I guess I'd almost describe it, it like drags me into my, the depths of my subconscious. Yeah. And in there, um, it often takes me to the things that I don't want to look at. Mm -hmm. And that does, may not sound pleasant, but it's, it's important. You know, we, we, we naturally avoid thinking about things that trouble us, but in avoiding those, we don't solve them. They just stay there, yeah. you know? So ayahuasca has this way for a lot of people, myself included, of like taking you by the hand and go, look at this. You need to look at this, mm -hmm. you know? And that may be problems with your relationships or uh, traumas that you've been holding on to, pain of, of pe what ways people have hurt you that you haven't been able to let go. And then through that process of connecting with it, um, generally speaking, when all goes well, it, it culminates in a, a purge, mm. a, a letting go of whatever this thing you hold on to. And very often there's a literal purge. You know, you'll throw yeah. up and you'll feel that thing that you connected with leave your body. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving that that description. I, I I love that the forcing you into your subconscious to basically do your shadow work to look at those yes. things that you don't typically choose to look at. 
um, mm-hmm. and, and, and try to resolve it um, mm-hmm. somehow and release it. Um, let it go. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. It's really beautiful, and it's, it's not necessarily for everybody, but if, if anybody listening is um, feeling called or interested, I, I would highly recommend looking into it. It's, 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 um, it's, it's an intense experience, but it's generally speaking, if you pick the right place, uh, it's a safe experience, um, and it can definitely do wonders for people that are struggling and traditional ways have not been so useful for them. Yeah. So I, I guess, I think we've kind of um, tiptoed around this uh, a little bit, but what, what do you see, or, or how would you determine success in someone healing from trauma? Like what, what, does, that, mm. what does that entail? What does that look like? And, and how can someone maintain it? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I would, I'll, I'll say, I would love to say like it, it, all of a sudden you feel happy all the time. Yeah. And, right. You know, everything <laughs> is great and life yeah. follows smoothly. And, and unfortunately mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, that's not really how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, it's, it's not to dissuade anybody who's, who's looking to heal. Um, but it, what it looks like more often is it's more, it, it, I say, I would say it looks like more, more freedom, emotional freedom, more peace, um, let me think of how to say this. Like, like, okay, for example, when I left Jehovah's Witnesses for many years, I just carried around a lot of anger yeah. about Jehovah's Witnesses and in a way that it kind of ate at me, you know, yeah. and, and, and mad about lost time, you know, all that time I put into it and what felt like for nothing. Um, and I'd be lying if I, if I say sometimes I don't still get angry about those things sure, yeah. or they don't bother me, yeah. but they don't lead, they don't lead my experience anymore. You know, I guess that's the difference. You know, when, when trauma is it really has a hold on you, it, 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 whether consciously or unconsciously, it plays a role in, 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 in shades every experience you have. And every relationship. Every relationship. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and it's another, another example would be like, you know, with grief, like if somebody you love very dearly dies, um, when they first die, and if you don't, especially if you don't really deal with it in any way, it's going to hurt real bad and it's going to affect your life and it's going to make life really difficult. Um, now, will you ever get to a point where you don't feel sad about the person you lost? No, of course not. Whenever you think about that person, you will have feelings of sadness but when you've done the work when you've had the the time to do some healing around it it's not going to dominate your experience you know it's going to be something you can visit from time to time and have your feelings about it but it's not going to cast a cloud over everything you do um does that make sense yeah 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 so so what, what what i'm hearing you say is that the especially i think in these these high control religions where it 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 is a really traumatic experience and and leaving when you have people that are vilifying you and saying okay now you've joined satan's side you you just wanted to sin you know all these reasons we talked about um earlier that that 
the members will vilify the person that's leaving the yeah. group. That there's there's a lot of reason to feel hurt and and yeah. to get angry about it, and yeah. and that that there's a time when that anger almost takes over and mm-hmm. and and you can't really see anything but that anger. Um, but so what I heard you say is that that healing is a release of that anger, not not that it's it goes away completely but that when it does come up, it doesn't control you and it doesn't spill out and impact your relationship with other people or just your relationship with living in the world in, in yeah. general. Um, what, what replaces it? Like what, what is that mechanism of letting go of, of something like anger or grief or fear or anxiety? Um, how, how does somebody actually do that and accomplish it? What is that? What would it? Well, it sounds like you're asking two questions. How does that accomplish, and what's replaced? Yeah, that that that, that is. Um, I, I could say it is for questions. the question of yeah. what's what's replaced. Um, that's a hard one to answer, but it makes me think of this this Buddhist saying. I think it was quoted as a Buddhist saying this, and somebody asked him like, "What did you what did you get from mm-hmm. meditating?" And he said, "I didn't get anything." from meditating, but I lost my anxiety, my depression, my fear of death, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So, so that's, I, it's hard for me to say what replaces it because what replaces it really could be anything you want. It's, well, it's I think, the, I think but, you used the word freedom before. Yeah. So, so like if you're losing these, the fear of death, the, the, the fear of these things, then whatever control that fear had over your life, you don't have that anymore. And, and, you're you're free to make more informed choices that aren't being informed by that fear right i don't know i'm asking that's that, that, no that's exactly it. that was okay. very well put um, <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that, that you're able to make choices that aren't dictated by by this trauma or or by the fear of being hurt again that kind of thing so many things of what we do is just sort of to protect ourselves Mm. Um, so you're able to move on and, and let go of that, that fear. Yeah. And then the second part of that, that question, which was, what's the mechanism? Like, how, how do you, what, when, when you're working with people, what, what are some of the common struggles that you see as, as they're wanting to let go of the anger, wanting to let go of the fear, wanting to let go of the anxiety, but they just don't know how. I don't think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a simple answer to that. Hmm. It's a combination of a lot of things and, yeah. it, and it's different for each person. I yeah. can give you some examples of the types of things. I'd love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, well, first of all, let me, let me say uh, uh, the part of the way I conceptualize things is, is that is about, it's about moving energy, mm. you know, and, and, and that there's, there's kind of trapped energy in the body. Now I'm not an energy worker, but it's just a conceptual idea that, that, anger or, or sadness, or it's something that, that is, it's context-based, but there is something about it that it just needs a release in some yeah. way. It needs to be channeled in some way. So with, with that in mind, um, there's a good amount of people I could say that just the process of attending therapy in, themselves is immensely healing in itself. Um, just speaking their story, being able to say out loud, this is what happened to me. Um, being able along the same lines, being able to get angry or upset. I can't tell you how many people come in and like, they start to talk about their anger 
and immediately go, but Jehovah's Witnesses meant well, and, and other people had it worse. And, you know, find all these reasons not to feel that thing that's welling up inside them. So it's pushing it down. Yeah. yeah. And okay. so my job in, in a lot of those cases is to go, wait a minute, you have a right to be angry, mm. you know? Yeah, well, I don't want to be one of those people that becomes angry and bitter. No, you won't. It, 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 it's possible to have the feeling of anger, express it, and not get stuck in it. You know, they're, they're, they're afraid of it, you know, in a yeah. lot of ways. So in a lot of ways, that's it. Or, or just grieving certain types of losses, like in, in really making space for that. And, and, and people, you know, have really intense experiences. They cry or they may get really upset. Um, and that for them is, um, is what needs to be done. Um, for other people, there's things that need require more action. Like I was saying earlier, you know, there's something about the doing uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the active making choices that go against these feelings of guilt that are keeping them in place. Um, so sometimes people need a more structured approach. And along with those lines, I use them like a cognitive behavioral approach where we break down something into smaller steps um, where we set goals each week to push a little bit further into this area that they find uncomfortable that's out of their comfort zone. And combined with this idea of exposure therapy, you know, the more they're exposed to these experiences, the more that they will find, find their way about them. Um, other times it's, it's more of like an academic approach. There's some times people are, are stuck in that line of, I don't think I believe in the religion, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Mm. Okay. Let's, let's get some material out there. Let's get some books. Let's get some, um, uh, you know, let, let's, let's get you connected with other people who have left the religion, other people's experiences. Let's give you more information so that you can not feel so on the fence, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I could, I could probably go on, but one more I'm thinking of is like, uh, I use a narrative approach sometimes where mm -hmm. helping people connect with the idea that, that, that our experiences are largely dictated by the stories that we tell about our experiences, how yeah. we interpret it. So there's, there's work there. Sometimes we, the sticking point is they've created a story around some traumatic experience that, um, you're speaking my it, language right now, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all that, about that, the that, stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, favorite ways to work. Cause that's yeah. really, I think the truth of it. Yeah. So, so yeah. helping, helping somebody change their story will help them change because a certain story, but the, again, I won't, I'm going to go back and geek out on this book, Inner Size and the Neural Pathways. Mm -hmm. and, and you had mentioned energy earlier. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, I mean, we're talking about neurons and synapses firing in these neural mm -hmm. pathways. It is this bioelectric brain of ours. It really is energy mm -hmm. um, that, that we've, we've conditioned ourselves through these stories we tell these stories and, and frame our experience in a certain way that makes us feel a certain way. Like we've got these mm -hmm. feelings and emotions that are attached to these stories, mm -hmm. but these stories are not complete. They're not accurate. <laughs> they're constructions, they're fictions, and yeah. they're not taking in everything that happened. They're focusing on certain things. And um, so what, what I try to do, and, and I, I, I'm, going to school right now, I'm getting a master's of science in clinical mental health counseling. So in a couple of years, I'll be, I'll be trained. You're uh, going to make a great counselor. 
Well, thank you. I, I, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm a life coach right now and I've been doing that for about a year and a half and really enjoying that. But, yeah. but so trying to help people recognize the stories that they're telling, there's a connection to the feelings that you're feeling. And so if you can change the stories, as long as you're being honest, because that's, that's the thing that people say is I don't want to, I don't want to make stuff up. I don't want to be untrue. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'll, I'll say, well, there's, there's other things about this that could be true that maybe you're ignoring and you're not focusing on. Mm-hmm. Is that part of your approach as well when you're working with people in their stories? Try yeah. to help them, them retell, re- reconstruct the story? Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and, and once again, you're hitting all the major points, which is people, yeah. that resistance that people think, oh, well, I don't want to make things up. And I understand that. That's not my, that's not where we're at either. We're not yeah. here to, to fabricate something, right. but only to recognize that in any given situation, there are thousands, if not millions of variables. Yeah. And that the way our mind works is to choose a select handful of those variables, create a story that often is built on previous stories. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always, the go-to for me is always, I could tell you the world is a terrible place and I could give you plenty of facts to back that up. Yeah. I could make an argument for the world being a terrible place. I could do the same thing by saying the world is a beautiful place. Yeah. And I could give you plenty of evidence and arguments to back that up. Right. Both of those are stories, yeah. you know? And so why not create a story that's going to work for you? Yeah. You know, not at the expense of, of, like you said, of lying, but just... Yeah choosing to direct your attention to the things that are really going to best serve you. Yeah. I, I, I had an experience recently where I was, I was working with someone and we were talking about this idea of love and he was really concerned about love because he didn't, he didn't ever want to use love. Like you're putting lipstick on a pig and say, this harm that I'm doing to somebody else, I'm calling it love so that it's not. So he's like, really resistant to anything around this idea of of love and i I think that's something that that came out of his experience being in this high control religion where they're saying if you love me keep my commandments and the commandments Mm -hmm. aren't always loving (laughs) you know like 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 um have these bigoted attitudes towards lgbtq people or you know yeah all of this stuff in the name of love and acceptance Mm -hmm. that isn't really that and so it, it creates these, these wounds and these scars. Um, anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested, especially in that, that narrative approach. And then you, you mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy. With Do, do, do you see any um, cognitive distortions like the, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with them, like mind reading and catastrophizing and things like that, that are more prominent to coming out of a high control uh, religion? Yeah. Um, or like black and white thinking, all or yeah, nothing for sure. thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely there. Um, yeah, I mean, I see that, but particularly with the black and white thinking, I see that constantly, and um, people get very hung up on what is right, what is wrong. That's a big. Yeah sticking point for, for people. And, and, and that's problematic because the world is not like that. Yeah. And the world they came from is like that. Yeah. Um, but the actual world is not like that. So that's definitely a piece of helping them recognize that and, and loosening up um, those, those types of ways of thinking about things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's all, that's all I have for, for that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, 
If I have listeners that want to work with you and they want to get in touch with you, is that something that's possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I work with people all over the world and I work online. Okay. Um, so no matter where you are, as long as you are English speaking, uh, yeah. you feel free to reach out. Um, you can find me at drryanlee.com. Okay. Um, you can see a little bit about my services there and you can also connect with me there. Or if you'd like, you can even set up an appointment. I offer uh, free consultations. Yeah. Um, and I would say the majority of the people that do the consultation end up becoming uh, clients, but even those that don't, um, I've, I've gotten feedback that even just the free consultation is very helpful for people yeah. to get perspective on things. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll link to your website um, from, from this episode um, on the infantsonthrones.com uh, website as well. And any final words that you'd like to say as we wrap this up? I mean, for anyone listening, I just say, keep doing what you're doing. Um, if you're listening to this program, you're searching. You know, you're, you're seeking answers, you're, you're thinking about things and, and keep that up. I, I, I feel like so many people who leave these high control religions, and I'm assuming this is similar for Mormons, that they feel so lost and alone and so disconnected. And, 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 and every, most of the people in the world don't have the same kind of background that we have. And, and it can feel lonely. Um, and sometimes it can feel as if maybe this is it, you know, is this just how life is going to be? And, and I can say from experience and from the people I've worked with, it doesn't have to be that way. It does get better. Um, and the process for doing that is just keep connecting, keep reaching out, keep learning, keep educating yourself. Um, keep looking at the things that don't feel right in you and don't just turn the other way, really look at them and figure out um, how to get to a place and how to engage in the world in a way which makes you feel more whole. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Brian, for taking Thank you, Glenn. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I can ever figure out a way to get down there to Peru, <laughs> I'll come and hang out with you. I have a spare room. You are, you are 100% welcome. Awesome. And your, your dogs look amazing, too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I got these guys by my side. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Glenn. All right. So what did you think of that discussion? If you'd like to share that with me, you can send me an email or you can record yourself and send that as an email. And, you know, if you're interested in life coaching, reach out to me. I'll let you know how that goes. Um, and there's also some group coaching that's available right now. We're doing a, a group right now. We've had a couple of interactions over the last few weeks. It's really nice. So if you're interested in joining a group that is focused on recovering, from Mormonism, kind of in the ways that uh, I discussed today with Dr. Lee. Reach out, let me know, send me an email at infantsonthrones at gmail.com and I'll send you some information. And I also do free life coaching consults. So if any of you are interested in having a 30-minute conversation with me, talk about some things that are on your mind, just reach out, we'll schedule it. No pressure to do coaching or not. If you just want to talk, I'm here for you. So thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones, where I'm trying to help you Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew Ryan. Carol Dashley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, 
Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. So we can.